right, space anime. Let's get kicking. All right, uh, episode seventy to seventy four today. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of a lot of military fluff. All uh, you know up front, we got some big space battles happening that we'll probably kind of skim over because if you really want to know the details of a fictional space boat battle. Just look it up. <laughs> They're not super relevant to the uh, story other than like the outcomes and stuff. So uh, apologies if we burn through that and you really want a radio play by play of people navigating boats slowly. <laughs> uh, so episode 70 kicks off uh, and it is New Year's once again. Uh, I think this is the third New Year's party we've Something seen like on that, screen. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. These motherfuckers love to get down on New Year's. I mean, doesn't everyone? Uh, yeah, as does everyone. Um, so, oh yeah, a podcast of the Galactic Heroes. It's, it's, hey. it's in the first. It's in the first five minutes. Boom. It fucking counts. It counts. It counts. I didn't forget. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're uh, basically uh, everyone's getting ready. Ryan's just kind of rallying everybody up for one final uh, attack after a little bit of. A little bit of discussion on like what the correct move is and you know some concerns of well yang is still out and about do we worry about that that kind of stuff um and then we go to the uh F- what, what are they calling themselves is they it, don't have remember. an official name yet like they talked to that uh that president dude on alpha seal about what they were going to be called but i guess it's still like Yang's irregular fleet or something stupid yeah, like that. The irregulars. let's just call it team yang team yang so team yang the, uh, is the unduliness also- boys Oh god! Oh god! What a bad ship name! <laughs> it's uh, almost like calling yeah, the ship so- the Moist. It just gives you a weird <laughs> mouth feel. <laughs> the, wo- <laughs> the Moist. <laughs> uh, you know that would be like the first ship Reinhardt went for too. He's like, we gotta get the Moist out of here. I can't deal with this ship. Um, but yeah, so uh, over there, uh, Julian and all of them are drinking, and Shenkop is clearly trying to get him drunk, as is um, Yeah, Poplan, it's pretty funny. He gives him, like, three or four drinks in a row, and then, like, Mashenko butts in and starts, like, drinking the entire yeah. bottle, and they're all like, this guy can put it yeah. away. It's like, look, he's, yeah, he's, he's like, like, dude, you gotta give me some of this shit, too. <laughs> basically, Mashenko, like, it seems like he was kind of wingmanning Julian against Shenkop and Poplan's bad influence. By just being a tank. Also, yeah, just like, he's, he's the dude who shows up at parties and just drinks everything. <laughs> but it's just great. Where's yeah, he putting Pope it just like, I don't know. Popon's like, yo, this might be our last party. Drink up, motherfucker. And just like fills his glass up and Julian like slams it. And then he, he's just like, oh, all right. Then Shenkop walks up. He's like, hey, it might be your last party. Drink up, motherfucker. And he pours him <laughs> another glass. Then he slams it. Then Popon's like, hmm, hmm. You know, Shenkop makes a good point. This is your last party. You might as well say it. Just like starts pouring it. And that's when, like, yeah, Mishenko just walks in and, like, he's just like, I think Poplon's like, Jesus, this guy can just drink like an elephant. This sucks. We're going to go through all the bottles. Then Julian, Julian sneaks uh, away, then leans back and looks at Shenkop. He's like, oh, fuck, I'm thinking about his hot daughter again. Shit. Yeah, it's a really weird scene. Like, he's, like, looking at Shenkop and then it cross fades like, into huh, Kataros. That, that jawline, I know it somewhere. Oh, God, no, I got a boner again. <laughs> Um, there's a later scene after this of uh, Popolon talking to Julian, and it comes out that after like everything is said and done, the war is over one way or the other. Popolon wants to come to like a kind of a big brother because uh, he's real good, I guess, at talking to you know kids that don't know what the hell they're doing, especially when he has a squadron of all these you know 15 year olds. He was a mentor, I guess, and he looks yeah. like that position. <laughs> So. Yeah, he's used to having all these like young kids who are clearly in over their head and talking them through it and talking them through these issues when they're about to fear death. So he's like, 
you know what? If I could just be like a school counselor, that'd be dope. You know, yeah. you know what's really funny? Like, something I was thinking about. Um, you so that you know the whole gag of somebody being like, "Hey, gang, let's talk," and they sit down on a chair backwards. <laughs> I've noticed. I, I think it like almost every single scene he is in, Poplin is always sitting sideways in a chair, and he's got an arm propped up on it. Like he always has like this weird sitting pattern, and he always <laughs> does it. Always, always, always. Well, you know, it's not time for a rock talk yet, so the chair isn't all the way around. But, you know, it's a light talk, so he's he's splitting the 50-50 on mm-hmm. that. Um, There's just an odd yeah, so, quirk. <laughs> so then we get into the good stuff, which is <laughs> Bogdashu being the hugest piece of shit in the best way <laughs> yeah. possible. So the gift, of, the, the gift of context, the backstory, remember, they're trying to go capture Izzelhorn the second time. So Lutz is stationed on Izzelhorn, and he's the commander, and he gets an order from Reinhardt that says, hey, uh, we need you, go launch the fleet, go through the Izzelhorn corridor, we need you on the other side of the galaxy. So he's like, okay, cool. And he puts out the orders to get that shit started. The next well, for day, what it's worth, he also, he immediately checks, like, he's a little concerned about that order, so, because, like, you know, defending Izzelhorn's kind of a big priority, and he knows that. He actually asks right away, he's like, as soon as they get the order and he reads it, and he was like, yeah, we need to deploy everybody. He just looks over. He's like, was that message encoded? And he was like, yeah, it was encoded. Why do you ask? He's like, don't worry about it. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's start. Uh, and then the next day gets an order of the opposite. That's like, hey, don't you dare deploy. We need you defending this base. Like, absolutely yeah, do not the leave. The first message was a spy message. Don't defend. Don't deploy. Stay in the base. There are spies in the fortress. <laughs> you should look out for this shit. Yeah, so, like, if you need to do an internal investigation, capture people, blah, blah, blah. So they do run the internal investigation, and obviously, like, you know, it, it's it's Isselhorn Fortress. There's, like, thousands and thousands of soldiers in there. people on that thing. Yeah, exactly. So, like, finding a couple people who have done some crime or some minor insurrections or whatever is a given, you know? Like, you have that big of a pool. Probability states that one or two are going to be fucking up. So uh, they arrest a couple people. Um, and they start feeling good about it. They're like, okay, yeah, we figured out. We found these spies. Good for it. And then they get another message. It's like, why haven't you launched the fleet? We're fucking waiting on you, you goddamn idiots. And even <laughs> Reinhardt, like, it, it's, it says it's like, and Reinhardt noted, like, you know, if you fail to follow my order one more time, you know, I will not, you know, go easy on punishment if you are ignoring yeah, much orders. Said, you know, if you're not here by the time I take over um, uh, Planet Heineken, then, well, <laughs> you're in fucking trouble. Yeah, and then, uh, and then, yeah, gets like, and that final one, or whatever, and like, so Lutz is, you know, wearing this out because he's gotten a bunch of messages. Obviously, something is wrong, and he knows that. So he makes the, I mean, honestly, reasonable call of just like, no, fuck that. We're defending our post. Like, we we gotta stick to this. And then we get the revelation that from the narrator, the only message that was from Reinhardt was the last one. The rest were all bogus. Yeah, the thing is, they, they said the fifth one they received was the real one. So, so basically, so, there was the there was the deploy, don't deploy, and then deploy, deploy, and then finally Reinhardt's, hey, deploy, and then it just. Yeah, but it's yeah, funny because so you see a Bogdash you set down there. the fucking most vicious mix-up on the planet <laughs> by, like, setting up the confusion on his own so that by the time Reinhardt got in there, like, you know, Lutz was just too fucking deep in the spy hole. The layers of the only going on here. 
Yeah, exactly. There was a lot of there was a lot of layers, and I think my favorite part is just like they cut back to the ship, and Bogdashu is just like fucking grinning ear to ear. He's like, "These bitches are falling for it, hook, line, and sinker." And like everyone else, like Shenkop's just like, "You're still just a swindler, bitch." Like, he's, still, <laughs> he's like, "You're just really good at cheating. That's not impressive." And Bogdashu just like kind of shoots a grin back, and he's like, "Ah, whatever you say." Yeah, didn't they also like say, "Hey, Shenkop, didn't you cheat when you got on the Izzelhorn the first time?" That's kind of swindling. He just got all angry at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like, "I'm not like this dick." And <laughs> just walks back out. But basically, uh, this is the major, at least the, the first, I think, like really major positive, like. Yang made the right call by keeping Bogdashu. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, because... he also helped back on Heineson when the Written Rose were yeah, doing an uprising yeah. thing. This but... is just like a huge one. Like this is this plan would not have worked at all without Bogdashu mix up. Yeah. So back on the other side of the galaxy, Ryan's wondering why Lutz hasn't left yet, and he's pissed off about it. He wants to punish him, but uh, Hildegard, like always, talks him down. I think this is glass number two that's thrown to the ground in yeah, these five episodes. Yeah, there was a lot of wine glasses in these episodes. There's a lot of wine glasses thrown on the ground, and then there's one that's just, it's not really thrown on the ground, but the contents are emptied on a window. We'll get there later. So there's like, I don't know, the casualty count for wine glasses is up there with casualty count for ships. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, Ryan's wondering why Lutz hasn't left yet. Um, he's angry about this. Hilda talks him down. But it turns out, like, later on that day, uh, the Free Planet Alliance forces from Heineson did some military moves that cut off Bittenfield's advanced ship stuff. So, like, Ryan kind of forgot about the whole Lutz thing. And so we go back to Lutz's side. He gets another order that says, like, I'll destroy you when I'm done with the FPA if you don't leave now. And Lutz is like, okay, these guys are fucking up with us. We got to leave. And so, like, he knows that it's like, this has to be some bullshit from Yang. He's lying, obviously, out there. What we'll do is we'll pretend like we're leaving, and then when Yang tries to move in to do whatever, we'll, you know, counter and turn around and kill him. Because he figures Basically, he can pinch we're going to entrap them into the big fuck-off laser of the Isselhorn, yeah. the Thor's hammer. Like, that's the big plan is, okay, they think they've got us, we're going to faint them out, we're going to circle them back in, and we're going to blow them the hell up. Yeah, With and the if laser, Yang isn't there, the laser's kind of the a big side. deal. Like they were saying. Yeah, like the Thor's hammer needs to be in this equation. Um, and then, yeah, Yang moves in. Uh, Lutz turns around to do, like, again, this just, it executes correctly. Um, and then Bogdashu <laughs> shows, like, man, talk about a setup. Like, I gotta, I gotta give this one to Legend of the Galactic Heroes. This was not what I expected. So back when Yang left Izzelhorn the first time, we remember he, um, he mined the planted he, those bombs, the bombs all over. Yeah. Yeah, and they managed to get them all. So the real present they left behind was just a fucking Trojan, I guess, in the entire computer system. <laughs> this is why you just do like software some security kind of... audits. Well, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh no, it's just yeah, it's just great because Bogdashi just types in. He's just like, "Tea is nice. I'll have some twice." And then just <laughs> all the computers are broken in the ship. <laughs> like they're like, "Fire the laser!" And he's like typing it. And he's like, "Sir, we're locked out. What? We're entirely locked out of the computers. We can't do anything." And he's just like, "I'm sorry. What?" Contact your system administrator. <laughs> The, the guy who's uh, left, the thing is, in this time, Lutz moved out, and he left his second-in-command in charge. And what I really liked was the second-command said that uh, it said to fire um, uh, Thor's hammer manually, and they said that didn't work as well. And I was sitting there wondering, how does that work? Because the first thing that <laughs> yeah. came to mind was somebody with, like, a bunch of hamster wheels or a hand crank or something, just revving it up <laughs> real slowly. You have to fire all the TPS reports manually this yeah. season. Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, the but Black Vampire was... fleek, freaks out. Everybody on Islehorn is freaking the hell out. Uh, yeah, that fleek. was really neat because that was actually the first time it showed you, hey, you know, the whole liquid metal shell? What's it look like when the ships actually descend into Iserlone? And that was actually a pretty neat shot because they never really showed that before. Yeah, most of the time the ships are just kind of like slowly parking. But this time mm-hmm. Gang's fleet just like goes in there full blast because they're trying to lay siege to it real quickly. So, like, it shows um, it's Merkatz's ship just, like, crashing into the hangar to try to get people off as quick mm-hmm. as possible. Um, mm-hmm. Then there is a series of about 15 minutes of axe time, um, which there are many yeah, axe scenes. A, uh, major note is that Mashengo, definitely still drunk, uh, <laughs> just picks up and throws a fucking pillar. Yeah. Like, a pillar from the building. Just you always wondered. You always wondered about those pillars, whether they were structural or load-bearing or not. It doesn't matter. They're weapons. They're weapons now. Mishango got <laughs> fucking ripped and is just throwing pillars. Yeah, he I tore this out and like half a, half a building collapsed, but it's a damn good weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so no, like, the... Again, unironically, like a 12-foot stone marble pillar just fucking hucks it at a group of dudes and they're even just like what the fuck <laughs> yeah so uh, and then one they of them kept, they go inside uh, the fortress the, and are fighting and the guy in charge the galactic empire dude's like where are they going and it turns out they end up in some like small off the way control room which is coincidentally where they put the stuff for turning back on the pc so they get in there they type in the codes to return on the pc and they fire thor's laser at lutz's and blows up like most of his fleet He's freaking out. Yeah, the fleet that was coming back in to try and trap them against the hammer is now flying in to try and get back in. And oops, they are also flying directly down the barrel of the hammer. Yeah. So uh, one one good note from this episode that I really liked is uh, even during Axe time and after Mishango throws a goddamn pillar, like everyone has is resisting until like one dude like i think it was like knocked down or something just sees a rosenritter patch and he's just like rosenritter and everyone else is just like fuck (laughs) (laughs) they all just turn tail they're like retreat fuck this it's also funny too because the narrator says that even though like the free plan alliance were severely outnumbered inside the fortress but once they fired the laser at the fleet outside everybody all the galactic empire people inside the fortress lost morale and they all surrendered so like i guess that along with the rosenritter threat uh, got them to take the fortress when they really shouldn't have. Yeah, because the whole Rosenritter thing, that seemed kind of like an odd thing, probably at first glance, but the whole thing was probably like they were thinking, oh, we got people, we can turn this around, and then they find out who they're being attacked by. It's like, oh, they've only got exactly. they've got so many less people than us, but the Rosenritters were fucked. <laughs> yeah, the yeah they were just threat. trying to shatter their... Yeah, they were just trying to shatter morale and get them to surrender, and mm. it worked. Yeah. Yes. Um, the guy surrenders, and, then, of course, and he gets most we of his walk men in out. And, but he also kills himself. Uh, of course. Which, by the way, yeah, it was, was funny. Say, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when the guy, the fleet commander, kills himself as they're like capturing the fortress, he puts down a tarp in front of the desk, which is really considerate of him when he blew his brain up. I actually yeah, didn't think I about that. that. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, he put a bed sheet that down. That was nice of him. Yeah, he was like, you know what? I'm going to kill myself, but I don't want to be a dick. Yeah, popping, <laughs> popping off those get... keys and cleaning them would be a pain in the ass, so I'm just going to save him the trouble. But yeah, and then like the thing is they do um, the commanders of the FPA that are like in there or the Yang team Yang, uh, they all just kind of, you know, salute and stuff. And they're like, he did his best. He was all right at this. He just, you know, kind of got dunked a little. <laughs> it's not his not his fault. So uh, episode 71 starts out with uh, Ryan getting the report that Bukak has somehow managed to get the re- together on 20,000 ships. Um, he's at these like high council fleet people. and Everybody's like getting the reports on this stuff. 
Um, I have to note, Mitten and Rutenthal are watching these bloodthirsty kids. Like, I guess there's a bunch of new up-and-coming admirals at this fleet meeting, and, like, they're all, like, gun-ho, we gotta go kill the FPA. And, like, it's funny because both Mitten and my Rutenthal are just kind of laughing and chuckling, like, oh, these kids. It's mm-hmm. great because they stand up. At, you, you can always see who the new guys are in the room because they will stand up and they will give these huge bombastic speeches. And they're like, I'll do it for the glory of the Empire. I'll do it for the Fuhrer. And they're just sitting there kind of like, <sighs> new guys. <laughs> so uh, Bukok's hanging out in some star system uh, that has a lot of asteroids. And they're kind of hiding in the asteroids because they know they're still outmatched uh, or outnumbered big time. Uh, straight brings up the point that the don't really need to fight Bukok. We could just kind of ignore him and go take Heineson. But Ryan wants to do this because it's the proper thing to do and there's honor involved in this and all that good stuff. Um, and then also the whole concept of if I leave any kind of rebellious force, people could rally around yeah, it and too. You know, start an insurrection and all that stuff. So he just immediately is like, no, we do have to do this. Um, he hands and out- then, you know, Mitten... Minmeyer and Rutenthal, uh, I, I just don't... Like, he gives some other people frontline duty, for what it's worth. Like, he agrees to stay back. He, he realizes me being at frontline Yeah, the would big be thing is asinine. he gives those two new kids that we were introduced a couple episodes back frontline yeah. duty. What I thought was great later. was the, the first one who got his ass kicked so bad, his line at the meeting was basically, like, there's no place for an old man on the battlefield. <laughs> yeah. And Rutenthal's kind of like, and... <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was the other thing. Yeah, there were all these guys like, oh, this old fuck, he can't do anything. And they're like, you do realize he is a war museum. Please respect the war museum. And uh, as we'll see very quickly in this in this next upcoming bit, they do not respect the war museum. Yeah, <laughs> no one respects Sunday, the war museum. The war museum's business hours are open. <laughs> so we get a scene of uh, Mittenmeyer and Rutenthal talking about the fight. Um, they say that there's no real reason for this fight to occur, but there's an emotion. You know, Reinhardt feels very emotional about fighting Bukok. Um, they compare them to a young and old lion fighting for dominance with, you know, pretty allegory pictures in the background. Uh, they also bring up that history loves blood, um, that they like the, like, fights like this happen and are enamored in history. And they feel that Reinhardt may want to enamor or, you know, put himself into history by doing something like this. Um, we cut yeah, over and to Rutenthal's the way Rutenthal starts steering it starts becoming very what a jackass kind of at the end yeah and uh Mittenmeyer kind of cuts him off at one point and is like whoa buddy whoa 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 <laughs> like let's slow down before you uh say some shit you can't take back and Rutenthal just stands up he's like yeah, I guess that one poetry general or whatever should be doing this shit. Yeah, well, all right, I gotta whatever. go. And just, like, walks out. <laughs> like It's like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, Rutenthal's officially getting done with this. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, on the other side of the galaxy, or in the asteroid field anyway, we see Bukok and Yuchan. They're writing up plans for this sort of stuff. Uh, they both know they're straight-up dead men. They're not going to win this fight. It's going to be... This is like a 9-to-1 matchup, and they know they're not going to win it. Um Bukok starts to regret and talk about how like he's like to live in this you know chaotic and hectic period of history, but he's going to regret not seeing the fall of either Yang or Reinhardt or the FPA for that matter. Um, he's not going to see it to its conclusion, so he's kind of sad about that. Um, so we go into the fight here. This fight goes for the rest of the episode, but um, to give some and quick... Here, I'm, I'm going to flash summarize this yeah. super hard. So, like, check it. All right. So they go in. Bukok is hiding in these rocks, and there's a bunch of winds from the sun again, which is a thing that's happened before. <laughs> uh, Bukok backs up into the asteroids. A solar flare comes out and fucks up a bunch of Imperial ships. So they start backing up. Like, they adjust and read. They're just like, okay, well, we can't go too deep. Uh, one of the new guys dives in too much and gets fucked up. Uh, Reinhardt commands Fahrenheit to go in, 
And then again, there's just another trap. Bukak or like Fahrenheit sees the trap, backs up. Basically, it's just a bunch of Bukak <laughs> is doing way better than he should. He's dunking on and, the new kids. Is the thing that these kids that underestimated Bukak, like they're constantly falling for his you know trickery during this entire and thing. And that's really what it is. And then, like, uh, you know, at one point, Bukok lays mines and stuff. Basically, he's just going through traditional good, smart strategies, and they're all being shook by it. Except for, like, Fahrenheit, who's just kind of like, oh, Jesus Christ. And Reinhardt, who's like, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's scenes of Rutenthal is on the ship with Reinhardt, and they're watching this all happen. And they're kind of giving, like, a running play-by-play of what's going on in the commentary. And they just keep laughing at the new guys falling for all the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then Ryan at one point just is kind of like, hmm, we do have to worry about Yang, though. And Rutenthal's like, yes, we need to worry about Yang. And he's like, I wish he'd worry about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan, kicking back on his bed. Uh, I wonder what Yang's up to right now. <laughs> he's got a picture. He's holding it up, looking at it longingly. Um, hey, one did, thing- did, did Yang try calling me? No. Why? Just wondering. Uh, one thing to note is there is a uh, FPA fleet admiral named Carlson. He showed up in a couple of previous scenes, but he kind of gets his five minutes of glory here. Um, he During the later parts of this fight, uh, there are several pincher maneuvers where there's kind of like a fleet sandwich where everybody's surrounding everybody else, and it's kind of a clusterfuck. And during all of this, mm-hmm. uh, Carlson's in there, and they uh, he gets some screen time basically breaking He's through Mueller's line, back. which is kind of unprecedented He's- because Mueller's good at the fence, but... Yeah, Iron Shield, uh, Iron Shield, uh, Muller or whatever. Yeah, but, they basically, yeah, basically they, just try to he snuck into the back. Yeah, their whole their whole aim was to basically punch right through and try to reach Reinhardt and Carlson's yeah. whole thing was basically you know Mueller was up front because he's you know the defensive line. Mueller was specialist. actually in the back, but yeah, they broke. Oh, yeah, the back. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, but he cracks right through and then goes. Oh, everybody goes. Oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, the like, FBA knows they're not going to win, like, so they're just trying to get the Reinhardt as quick as possible and kill him mm-hmm. before they die. And yeah, like, Mueller misreads it, basically. He's just like, oh, they're not going to try and just go through, so, like, let him through, and then we'll, you know, sneak around and get him. And he's like, uh-oh, they actually just were going through. <laughs> just yeah. like, oh, no. Uh, and then there's, like... Uh, okay, now we go to episode 72. Uh, and at the end of 71, it looks like Carlson might make it. Like, he's actually getting kind of close to the point, I think... Yeah, they're at, this point, at the end of the episode guys 71, is like, Carlson's getting through, and they're actually concerned about this sort yeah. of shit. But, yeah, um, so, as, episode 72 starts up, and it looks like Carlson is not going to make it. <laughs> yeah, he, there was a point where he was looking good, and then um, Mittenmeyer starts and charges and intercepts from the side, and so, like, the Free Plan Alliance knows that their ships are not going to be able to make it to Reinhardt in time. Um, mm-hmm. Bukok and Yuchan at this point, no, they're not going to reach mine. A lot of ships are coming up from the rear. It's uh, the first the Galactic Empire thinks that this may be Yang's fleet, but in fact, it's Bittenfield who ran around. Uh, Bittenfield runs on in without, uh, you know, any care in the world, doing a classic Bittenfield. Bittenfield, you know, Bittenfield is the Black Lancers, right? Yeah. Yeah, he, like literally the the spear that is unstoppable. Those idiots. Yeah, they yeah. show the scene of Ryan and uh, and Rutenthal thing. It's like, should we stop it and feel it's already kind of crowded in there? And, yeah, and Ryan's like, you know, just let him do his thing. That's what he does best. <laughs> or like, yeah, Reinhardt basically is just like, yo, if we don't let the Black Lancers just attack recklessly, they aren't the Black Lancers, and they won't be nearly as effective. So just let them go ham. <laughs> just let <laughs> yeah, them go ham. It's like Bittenfeld. I, I like your note here, Kuvo, because just it, it, Kuvo's note says he rushes in. Classic. Bittenfeld kisses fingers 
And it's just, you know, <laughs> Bittenfeld's whole thing throughout the series has always been whenever he shows up on a battlefield, it's like Kramer from Seinfeld just barges in through the door. <laughs> He's like, like Kramer. Yeah, essentially <laughs> they, had, they had Bittenfeld's dude show up on like whatever they're using for scanning ships locally. He didn't even try contacting them. He just busts in kind of like, I heard there was a fight! Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, Reinhardt's just like, wow, Bittenfield, uh, sure rush to get here, huh? <laughs> I was like, yeah, he smelled blood in the water, and you know how this ding dong is. Yeah, uh, the other, the other guys are in the area are like, fuck, he's going to come in here and try to steal the glory like usual. God yeah, damn that's it. the thing is, they're like, oh, he's just here for the glory, and actually, he wants another, you know, pin on his shoulder or whatever. <laughs> um, so as Bittenfield rushes in, we get a final scene of Carlson. Um, they do a brief bio of him he was a commoner uh that got himself up through the ranks basically to show those rotc jerks like he enlisted and just got up through merit and the narrator is kind of saying this like this guy was good it should have been that he has been more on the front line and better but the fpa kind of sucked at picking people so uh yeah he, he, he couldn't go to officer school basically like he couldn't afford or like get into officer school for one reason or another but like he was actually good at military yeah <laughs> oops yeah but yeah. anyway he dies so um bucock sees him die he's like this is shitty everybody try to get out retreat we'll cover you um hildegard is watching all this from reinhardt's ship she's like these guys are they're shooting fish in a barrel now so she's like uh you should ask them to surrender you know be the better man you know offer your hand and so reinhardt also points out important things such as like points out things like you know like if you offer them this surrender and they take it, you know, you're a great merciful ruler or whatever. And if you, you know, they won't take it is the thing. Like, he's like, I, I know Bucock won't take it. And they're like, okay, then you extended it. You tried. You were the better person. You know, they went down fighting, but you, you weren't like a dick. You didn't go in and. Yeah. Uh, Rudolph on him, basically. Like, yeah, that's so, kind of what it is. You're not acting like Rudolph. That's what matters. Yeah, so he eventually is like, well, I'll let Mittenmeyer do it because I'm too good for that. So Mittenmeyer asks him to surrender. Uh, Bucock responds back, is like, listen, I want to talk to Reinhardt. So Mittenmeyer's like, sure, why not? Uh, they Skype together. Um, Bucock straight up is like, I'm not good at giving speeches, but uh, here we go. Uh, he says that he would like a grandson like Reinhardt, that he's great, and he would like to be Reinhardt's friend, but he can't be a subordinate to him. And he says that Yang feels the same way, that they could have been great friends, but not a servant to a master. Uh, he brings up that democracy is like being friends. Um, it's about compromises and treating each other as equals and not so much a master or subordinate relationship. And that mm -hmm. Bukok wants to be friends with people and not their masters. And then Bukok and Yu Chan, by the way, have a bottle that they're breaking out and they just toast the democracy. They just get out some, dick, some Dixie forgot. cups. <laughs> yeah. Yu Chan is a uh, baker sandwich boy and man. Over the course of him being introduced and me being like, I kind of like this guy. Up until now, man, I really like that guy. He was doing his best. He was, he was, he wasn't being a ding dong ever. Yeah, both of them Rest are good peace. characters. I like it. And yeah, um, like it, it's one of those things. If I was like, damn, actually, both of those guys kick ass. Well, that sucks because <laughs> yeah, they're same, dead. <laughs> yeah, same, dead. same thing with Carlson. Just sort of like how you know, just somebody was kind of the background. It turns sort of like it turns out these guys were actually really good at their jobs. <laughs> Yeah, so Bucock and Yu Chan toast to democracy and they hang up the phone on Reinhardt. Uh, Reinhardt is like visibly conflicted about this. Like he feels bad killing these people because he knows they're like good people, but he does give the order for the final barrage. And then I have the note Bucock goes down like a badass because they show a picture of him and Yu Chan toasting and then he puts the cup to his lips and then explodes. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. He's also grinning the entire time like an idiot. It's great. He's just kind of like, eh, you know what? I kicked it. I came, I did. 
My wife, my wife says I shouldn't drink, but you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, seen uh, Reinhardt watching this happen. He has a flashback to Kilky Ice because you know of the speech that Bukak gave and all that stuff. Uh, Ryan immediately reorganizes the fleet, and he tells everybody in the fleet to salute Bukak on the way through the debris field that they just blew up. And there's a montage of all the fleet admirals saluting and all that stuff. Um, afterwards, there's a bit of a time skip. We see Reinhardt talking to his kid doctor. Uh, the kid doctor is talking about how he's going to conquer the galaxy and wishes he could be like Reinhardt. And Reinhardt's like, you can go conquer your own galaxies. I got this one. That's good enough for me. It's kind of weird how he keeps calling him Kierkeis number two, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> My name's not Siegfried. Sure it is. <laughs> um... I'm going to call you Lil Kirk. I don't want to be Lil Kirk. Uh, that's You're adorable, Lil Kirk. <laughs> so the narrator's pretty cool. It's like The news is like the fleet, the Galactic Empire's fleet and uh, their high spirits were short-lived because Reinhardt got the news of Izzelhorn. And then it shows Reinhardt throwing another wine glass <laughs> on the ground. Another fucking wine glass. It just cuts to like the sound of a glass shattering and Reinhardt like standing over it with his hand down just like, God damn it. It should like, be noted here that like Reinhardt normally gets pissed about stupid shit like this. But in this scene, he's super pissed. He's really angry. And mm-hmm. um, Fahrenheit thinks, like, when he gives the news of it, Fahrenheit thinks that this may have been a planned attack, that Bukok may have conspired with Yang to do this at the same time. But then Hildegard, being the voice of reason again, goes and lists off ten different reasons why this is just a coincidence, then you shouldn't be too angry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, we get, Reinhardt uh, says to Rutenthal, there's like, he muses like, well, your work only lasted a year about that. Uh, referring to the fact that Rutenthal was the person that originally recaptured Izzelhorn. And mm-hmm. uh, Brutenhall has an inner monologue that feels he's a bit conflicted because, in a way, he also fell for Gain's trick. I mean, obviously, Lutz was the one who fucked up, but Reinhardt or Rutenthal never saw like the fake bomb or the, the real bombs into computer virus ploy. Yeah. So uh, Reinhardt says that Lutz is on administrative leave and gives command to his second in command or whatever. Um, we see mm-hmm. Mittmeyer and Rutenthal talking after the meeting about how Izzelhorn fell. Um, they straight like, up say, like, James has one, plans within plans here. That he's fucking crazy about that sort of shit. And he's kind of making a fool note, of the Galactic Empire. One quick note, as an aside. Um, Lutz being put on leave and then being told, I'll tell you what your punishment is later, is kind of unprecedented for Reinhardt for someone who just kind of fell for Yang's very deep layers of trickery. Like, for the most part up to this point, Reinhardt, if someone just got, like, completely beat out by Yang, he was just kind of like... It happens, man. <laughs> like yeah. This was the first time that he was just like, fuck, you're in trouble. But for now, just get out of my sight. We'll figure it out later. Like, this is probably the most aggressive Reinhardt yeah, has been to really someone angry about all lost to Yang. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have the note here. Izzelhorn would have never happened if the Black Empire had a kill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Ruth thought we're talking about, like, if Izzel, if uh, Kilki Ice was around, uh, the, the Izzelhorn falling may have never happened or whatever. But they're just speculating at that point. Of course, everybody, everybody just... knows that Kyrkis was a master hacker who could have found a worm <laughs> in any system. But basically, they're just like talking about all this stuff of like, man, Kirky Ice, that probably wouldn't happened. That wouldn't have happened. Man, if Kirky Ice wasn't here. Like, remember remember that stuff sweet just... red-haired boy? He was good at everything. Yeah. Man. Um, the last scenes of these episodes is uh, Reinhardt telling Hildegard that they need to take Heinesen as quickly as possible because he wants to go deal with Yang. Like, it's his own personal thing. Hildegard, again, being the voice of Reen, says that, like, hey, we got to do this, you know, at a normal speed. We don't want to get the fleet split up or supply lines broken. We don't want, we know if we move too quickly to the Free Planet Alliance, like, they'll just destroy themselves. 
like the Fruitpoint Alliance is in knows they're in trouble at this point. But like, if we move and take it by force quickly, like all institutions will burn down and shit like that. So again, she's telling him to cool his jets and wait it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode uh, seventy three yeah. starts off with Yang uh, finally making his way to Isilhorn after they have captured it because he wasn't part of the original attack fleet. He was still in, staying around on Alpha Seal. Um, mm-hmm. They get there along with the asteroid fleet. So a couple episodes back, there was that asteroid base that got attacked by Mittenmeyer, I think. Uh, the Free Planet Alliance sent a bunch of ships out to find Yang, so those guys show up. Um, Kazurin also notes that uh, more ships are coming in. It's the ones that uh, Bukok sent back from Heineson. This has uh, Murray and uh, those other guys. Uh, Murray and uh, I forget the other two. Gives with an F. But yeah, it was it was great because like they were all like partying down. They were right. excited. Yang it's was Fisher. all like, ah, good to be back in Islehorn. You know, it's been a while. And Popelon and all of them are yucking it up. And then they get this news and they're just like, oh, those sticks in the mud. Oh. It's, it's mostly <laughs> just Mariah. Like how I mentioned the yeah. the last uh, what was it when um when the baker fella um sent, when he when he sent all three of them off he made like a joke and Mariah's kind of like I don't understand what a joke is yeah Mariah is <laughs> that's, it's like, that's the first time they've really spelled it out that Mariah's kind of a stick in the mud and then right it's here funny they're like the Pope... they're like Mariah's coming oh fuck yeah Popolon when he hears this he whistles like a grave theme yeah. yeah and everyone's just like oh god damn it and he's like well you know boring boys are coming in uh it also notes real quick that fisher's fleet i guess almost had a mutiny on it for that whatever was reason a weird side note yeah but he put it down and they got the Islehorn safely yeah well, they were talking about how the path they were taking was like mad treacherous like they weren't going through normal routes they had to sneak around so they were going through very dangerous zones and like there were a lot of problems there were i don't know if there were like food shortages or, shortages or anything but there was just like they were listing off all these different issues they were having due to the wild route they had to take yeah. to avoid detection um so there's a time skip and then we get the news that frederica gives the news to yang of bucock's death um Gang was drinking tea or something at the time when he kind of squeezes the cup all over his hand without even noticing it's burning him uh, he takes this news really hard. He says that he should have brought Bukok along with him off of Heineson. Uh, Frederica says that, well, you know, you know, Bukok would have never came. You know, you're trying to just, you know, trying to bargain at this point. He's in that stage of grief. Um, yeah. And he's trying to be like, oh, you know, I should have taken him even by force. And she's like, you know, basically all this stuff you're saying is really disrespectful of his final decisions. Like if you want to, you know, be if you want to support Bucock, you should have, you know, you were supporting him till the end. Don't feel bad. Yeah. This is what he wanted. Yeah. Like, the don't other, be a dick. The thing is, he also doesn't really know the grounds of Bucock, like what he was doing or why. I don't, I guess yeah, at this moment, he still hasn't gotten the note. All he knows not- is that he left and Bucock was in retirement. And then all of a sudden, Bucock was, was, he was back in charge again and died on the battlefield. So as far as he knows, the, the uh, Free Plane Alliance dragged him out of retirement just to let him die. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't know the specifics. Yeah. But, uh, Yang tells Islehorn like, you are going to have a day or so of mourning, all that stuff. Uh, we get a shot of Kazern talking to his wife, saying that everybody sucks when they're sad. <laughs> like, no one wants to hang out with him. <laughs> and like, it doesn't fit any of these people. Because, like, Kazern is just kind of steel-nerved about this. He's been around long enough. And, like, he liked Bucock, but not at the Yeah, Kazern's also, in a way, kind did. of uh, distanced from the rest of the people in the fleet. Like, he is a part, an integral part of the, you know, Yang's entourage but he doesn't do any of the fighting he stays back and does all the supply stuff 
So mm-hmm. he doesn't take it as hard. So he wonders why everybody's, you know, all as sad about this. And his wife basically tells him to fuck off. Like, these people were important to him. I miss because is a like, good character. And, like, through the nicest of Midwestern smiles and God bless your hearts as she's putting a hot apple pie on the table. Yeah, just she's <laughs> kind of picking him apart and then just kind of staring him down like, isn't that right, honey? As she puts <laughs> a pie on the table and he's just kind of like, mm, I hate how right you are. <laughs> it's yeah. really good. Uh, we have seen a Popalon talking to Shinder, who is a uh, Merkatz's assistant dude, whose name I always forget. Um, they're remembering Bukok. Popalon's obviously very upset about this, too. Uh, Shinder didn't know him so well, but um, he says that he's lucky that both Bukok and Yang are loved by their subordinates. Um, so It's interesting that he that Popalon has this chat with the guy who's working under Merkatz, because Merkatz is, if he was on the other side, he's pretty much the same... Not as old as Bucock was, but probably like a decade or so behind him experience. Like, they're kind of counterparts in a way, you're yeah. right. Yeah, Because they said that, didn't Murkatz used to uh, do, like, uh, the Academy, Fleet Academy stuff? Or I think it was someone else. Um, uh, no, yeah, Murkatz was, was working at the Academy. Because there were people who mentioned they studied under Murkatz. Yeah, like so. uh, Fahrenheit was one of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, then, uh, Yang talks about, uh, I see in your note here, you have this, but, uh, he puts, he mentions actually his concern is that now that the FPA is falling apart, that some of the ding-dongs in the military who were there, like some of the on-planet ones, uh, might immediately just go for Leblo and offer Leblo's head to the Empire, basically, to try and say, like, oh, go, you know, make it even, and... You know, uh, everyone's like, oh, well, that's, you know, that seems dumb. And he's like, you do realize Leblo literally tried to do that to me. So they're yeah. learning it exactly from him. I don't think anyone thought him. it was dumb. They're like, yeah, that's probably going to happen. And yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, that's probably going to happen. He was like, yeah, here's here's why, you know, they'll do it. And uh, sure enough, next so scene. the next scene <laughs> is literally that exactly happening. The military coming in, storming Leblo's office, uh, you know, and basically, you know, Leblo's like, why are you like, what the hell are you doing in here? And he's like. Oh, you know, we don't want to be betrayed. We saw what you did to Yang. We're worried you're going to do this again. And Levelo basically just comes, just snaps the fuck back with like, "Who the fuck are you?" Yeah, he I was says, turning like, over Yang Wenli. Enough to be worth it to the Galactic <laughs> Empire. Like you're not Yang. I don't care about what happens to you. Um, and then yeah, Leblo explains, you know, like, oh, so you think you're hot shit for taking a life to try and protect yourself? Like you shameless cowards, you d- big ass ding dongs. This isn't gonna work. And basically, just like straight up, just shit talks him. Like Leblo just has a spine. All all of a sudden, like I he think knows he's, he's given dead. up at this point. Like it's well, not because exactly, he suddenly yeah. grew a spine. Is this? I think he has nothing left to lose at this point. Exactly, the thing is, yeah. he doesn't look as rattled as he was in the last few episodes because I think he's just finally, you know, he's at the end he's of the rope. He's fate. like, well. This is it. Yeah. So he pretty much and just so like, he well, exits the mod. You came all this way. Might as well fucking shoot me. And there you go. But yeah, basically, yeah, basically, he just like calls him out on, and he's like, "All right, well, uh, if you still want to shoot me, I guess do it, motherfucker." And like the dude just kind of like raises his hand, the guy who's supposed to give the firing order, and he's like shaken by this. Like he, his hands kind of in the air, shaking. And when he does give the order, like uh, the camera zooms in on his hand as he like has it raised and is getting ready to drop it. You know. Uh, and as he drops it, his hand just kind of crumples into nothing. Like, as yeah. far as, like, it was holding a really tight, you know, like a karate chop kind of thing, because that's what you do when you give the order. But as his hand is descending, you can just see his soul leave his body. Yeah, it's a good visual metaphor. Hands. It wasn't very confident. It just yeah. the way it, yeah. it wasn't like a straight, you know, forward fire. It was like it slowly lowered. And at first I was thinking, when I first saw that, I was sort of like, did he tell them to fire? No, it's it like, was a good visual metaphor, answered. I think. Yeah. 
which I don't know if it's supposed to be regular bullets in this or laser bullets, but uh, wh- whatever it was, the dub team decided it was bullets. Yeah, he got so. shot the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets Swiss cheese. So uh, yeah, news right. of this reaches Reinhardt. Uh, Bogdanshu intercepts it as well, and it reaches Yang. Yang knows that Reinhardt will not pardon them because that's not who Reinhardt is. Um, yeah, like Reinhardt's not going to take some people who are just like, hey, we betrayed who we were serving. Can we serve you now? And it's just, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, we what? just stabbed our boss in the back. Do you want to be our new boss? <laughs> yeah, and exactly. like, Reinhardt is pretty, uh, pretty hard stance against traitors. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so Yang's like, well, that wasn't going to work. Rest in peace, Leblo. You tried. <laughs> so we get scenes of Reins, Reins fleet uh, surrounding Heinesen. They land. He's the first, the narrator notes he's the first Galactic Empire emperor to stand on Heinesen, like at all, ever. Um, mm-hmm. There are scenes of him doing administrative stuff around the city. Um, he's driving around in his car, a, a motorcade entourage, and Bittenfield stops in like a tank with him, uh, tells him that uh, people were planning on killing him and that he stopped it, but he wants to investigate to see if there's any more, you know, stuff going on in the background. Ryan says to leave him be. He doesn't want to be turned into another golden bomb. Like it's a act of leniency. And it's kind of weird because Hildegard just smiles next to him. Like she's like, oh, he's trying his <laughs> best today. Yeah. Um, like. Basically, Bittenfield's just like, all right, I'm going to investigate and all their family. I'm going to see if we can find some terrorist roots. I'm going to do all this stuff. And yeah, Reinhardt's just like, dude, don't be a dick to their families. Like, they return the bodies of the attempted assassins to their family. We stop the assassins, but don't worry, we're about to go massacre their entire family tree. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and he was just like, let's not do that. I'm not. Yeah, the free pilot line civilians. The narrator notes sees this as an act of leniency, and they kind of somewhat endeared to him by it. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing to note is while the Galactic Empire is trying to take off, take not take off, take over all these government services, there are certain members in the Free Plan Alliance's government, like mid-level bureaucratic dudes, that like protest. Like they straight up say, like you can't get records on citizenry, you don't pay taxes, you're not entitled to that. Or Reinhardt's like, position legit- is not recognized by the Free Plan Alliance. Why are you trying to do this? Yeah, legit, like, it cuts to, like, military entourages, like, a commander with, like, 12 troops, all with, you know, guns and armor, just po- pointed at these guys. And these are dudes we've never seen before. These are just, like, yeah, random, just low, mid-level dudes who actually give a shit. And, uh, yeah, they bust in, and they're just like, all right, show us all the financial records, all your, you know, inventory on all this stuff. And he's just kind of like, no. Yeah. He's like, what? Excuse me? He's like, no, you don't pay taxes. You're not citizens eat my ass he's like are you serious right now like he like points the guns he's just like you see all these guns right and he's just like you don't pay taxes eat my ass get out of my office and like all the the dudes are so flustered like all the commanders because they can't just shoot these guys yeah, they don't like, they shoot they're screwed because they don't know anything it's- yeah, so, <laughs> all these guys are just like doing this huge last stand of just random dudes in suits just sitting at their desk telling these guys with like a hundred guns pointed at them to just like Fuck off. And what? so Fuck we, off. Yeah, we cut over to Reinhardt and Hildegard talking about these guys. Like, we can't get these ta- these records because these guys are protesting. And Reinhardt's like, these are the assholes that should have been at the top of the FPA government. These are the dudes with civic duty and, you know, the mindfulness of their jobs to do it correctly and not crumble under any sort of pressure. And he tells them not to punish them. Uh, he tells his army yeah. not to punish them for being basically minded. here's the guys who are legitimately good but they weren't underhanded enough to get to the top of a corrupted government you know Correct. like they were yeah. actually good they were doing their job they just weren't willing to be backstabbing shit heels and reinhardt's like you know what i like those guys like it's just like uh, they remind me of me you know that kind of thing <laughs> 
Um, it's also noted by the narrator at this point that he was not leaking it to everyone because we see Rockwell, who was the military guy who killed Leblo, um, him and his buddies all go up to Reinhardt and take the knee and they say they want to serve under him. And uh, it does not go too well. The, the Reinhardt's like, you killed your boss. I'm never going to take you. You guys are criminals. And it's like, well, you brought Fahrenheit on and he used to fight against you because Fahrenheit was standing next to Reinhardt. And uh, Reinhardt sort of asked Fahrenheit, he's like, so what do you think of these guys? They, they're shameful, right? Well, he's just like, he's like, hey, Fahrenheit, these guys say they're the same as you. How do you feel about that? And Fahrenheit just kind of cracks a smile. And he's just kind of like, hey. And Reinhardt's just like, I agree with him. Arrest these douchebags. Like, it's just super good. Yeah. And of course, they're freaking out because they didn't expect this to happen. But they're idiots. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and this Reinhardt says that Hilder's prediction was right about this, you know, um, the last, there's a last part of this episode or the last part of the scene is he asks his little buddy dude, uh, that kid doctor to go get him a glass of white wine. Um, and he muses over the fact that Phoenix has always rise from the ashes and not half burned ground. And Bucock knew that. So that's why Bucock kind of threw his life away because he knew that the FPA needed to just start anew at this point. And mm-hmm. so he takes his glass of white wine and throws it all over a window, like pouring one out for his homies. At least he didn't destroy the glass. That's true. He didn't throw the glass that time. Yeah, he, he walks up to a window. Like, he just goes to his uh, his young doctor and is like, please fetch me a glass of white wine. And I was at first like, is this like a thing? Reinhardt only drinks red wine normally. Is this like, is this like his morning wine or something? <laughs> and sure enough, he just takes the glass walks over to a big window, looks at a sunset, and is just like, hmm, hmm. And they're just fucking whips the wine all over the window, and he's just like, that's how I honor someone, I guess. That's what we do now in my empire. This is the new tradition. And then just, like, sits down. As an aside, I'm always going to say that white wine is now the morning wine. Yeah. It looked more like a sunset to me. Yeah, it was a sunset. Mm. It's supposed to be the metaphor sunset, for the FBI sorry, yeah. going yeah. down. But. Oh, I, thought, I, I, I thought you meant morning as an M-O-U-R. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I did mean, uh, yeah, I meant morning as in M-O-U-R. Okay, I you know what? as in, this like, is... I'm going to wake up, slam some wine. Just put a rimshock sound effect in here. Boom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll remember. You know what? Fuck that. Look up free, royalty-free rimshot, 45, <laughs> 55 or so. Royalty free rim shot. Consider it done, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So Reinhardt goes on the uh, PA system, addresses the entire Free Planet Alliance civilians. Um, He says there's going to be no punishment to anybody who fought trying to defend their democracy because, of course, that's what you believe in and you're under the influence of corrupt governments and all that stuff. Uh, This kind of wins over a lot of the Free Planet Alliance's citizenry, um, both militarily because they won obviously and diplomatically as in he's extending the hand and being the better person and this is kind of discerning to some people because they see a lot of the free planet alliance people who are you would assume mostly gun-ho with democracy being a very acceptant of the autocratic ruler Rhine because he's benevolent like he's winning them over mm-hmm. um, he addresses the what well, during this address he says that the free planet alliance no longer exists as a political entity that only the galactic empire exists now and as a kind of funny irony thing, he now acknowledges that the Free Planet Alliance was a rebel force. Uh, like before, or he recognizes that it was an actual government. Before, like the entire joke was that the Free Planet Alliance was, quote, a rebel force. But now he's saying, like, yeah, you were a legitimate government, but you're now no longer. So it's kind of yeah, dramatic. Yeah, irony. basically, he, it's, he finally acknowledges them in death, yeah. which is kind of like, man, like, all right. I mean, thanks, I guess. 
<laughs> you still did, you know, blow it up, but yeah. yeah. Um, the narrator says that Reinhardt is now the most powerful man in the universe, but he laments the fact that Kilki Ice is not there to share his glory with him because that's I what they originally s- stood out to do. Yeah, I want to say this is the point, too, where he gives the speech about how, you know, like, I'm the most powerful man in the universe right now, but I could have done so much more or done so much better if only half of my wings weren't ripped off. Yeah. And, you know, then it cuts to, you know, Kilky Ice and all that, so. And then the narrator finally closes with the 273 years of the FPA are now done. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode 74 starts out with Reinhardt gathering people around talking about how they're going to recapture Ilzerhorn because that's still very much on his mind because he hates Yang um, they think Yang took Ilzerhorn to lure, lure Reinhardt out they know that Yang thinks that Reinhardt is very obsessed like he is and they think that maybe this is a ploy to get him on the battlefield and kill him um, he tells Rutenthal to go to Fazan what? What did I put here? No, they were telling Reinhardt. Oh, to, yes. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rutenthal was just here. like, yeah, Rutenthal was like, man, Yang's clearly trying to bait you out. You're fucking tired. You haven't stopped for like months. Please just go to Fazan and chill for a bit. And Rutenthal, or Mittenmeyer's just like, you should definitely go chill a bit. And Ryan's just like, bullshit. And then Hilda's like, no, please just go chill. Yeah, like all of his <laughs> vice admirals are in agreement that. Or that Reinhardt needs to go to Fazani and just chill out and maybe fuck someone or something. But he is so gun ho about trying to get to Yang. This is uh, not a great thing. And then Hilda uh, points out, hey, you know, Yang is trying to do, you know, b- both military tactics and also, you know, different diplomatic tactics and doing like strategic stuff, but also tactical stuff. And basically just saying... Right now, he's locked down at Izzelhorn. Yeah, like, yeah the sure, idea he was has that, like, strategically, Yang it's needs to get to a political us. power base and military, but tactically, he also wants to kill Reinhardt and be done with it, and he can't do both at the same time, so it's like, we got time, just postpone these plans. So, they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alpha Seal, meanwhile, gets news that the Free Plan Alliance is now no longer, and they are shocked at this. Like, they feel that this would have never happened for some reason. Like, it's kind of weird because the uh, scene is uh, Yang and that president guy on Alpha Seal talking, and the president dude seems like utterly like surprised that the free plan lines were the fall. And Yang's like, "Didn't you know this was going to happen? Like we talked about this." And yeah. Yang tells them that they need to acknowledge his rhyme's rule and press for auto- uh, autonomy, kind of like Fazan did, because if they try to stay a pure dem- democratic sovereign nation, that Brian is just going to come and stomp them. He's going to cut him up. Yeah. Like, he's like, yo, we don't have a force to resist them. If you keep trying to, you know, take a big stand against Reinhardt, you're just going to get blown up. Like, yeah. don't do and that. The, the president guy's like, wow, you're not very democratic about this. And it's Yang is just trying to be pragmatic. At the, He's trying to survive. Yang is basically, yeah. And, and like, he talks to him. He's just like, oh, I can't believe this is coming from Yang, defender of democracy. He's like, I am defending democracy. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm making sure there is literally any democracy alive when this is all done so that maybe it can come back. We do need a seed still. And he's like, just live, be that seed. You know, just make sure you maintain autonomy. We can use Izzelhorn as a bargaining chip if we need to. Like, this is more important. And, uh, yeah, the president just seems baffled at this concept, but then is like, okay. So uh, we get a scene of Shen Cop talking to Julian about Shen is still pressing for the Yang should be the, you know, leader of all of us angle. Um, Julian <laughs> just kind of the object of his ire, I guess, at this point. Um, well, the best part, too, is Julian, like Shen's talking to Julian about this and Julian's like, 
did you tell him this to his face and he got pissed and asked you to leave again? He's like, <laughs> sure did. <laughs> <laughs> so um, while this is happening, the, uh, he gets a note that Caterose wants to speak to Shenkop. Julian knows what's about to happen and bugs the fuck out of there. Oh, um, I gotta go. Yeah. Uh, she comes in and wants to know why she wasn't on the Izzlehorn attack squad. Um, Shenkop says that he didn't want people with no experience to fight, and that was the official reason. But then he's like, yeah, that's official, but uh, really, I just didn't want to see a beautiful girl like you swinging an axe around. <laughs> um, she gets upset and wants to know if uh, she ever loved her mother. And Shenkop's like, well, why didn't you just ask me that from the beginning instead of playing around like this? But he says that he couldn't mm-hmm. love a woman that didn't love him. Um, and then she leaves because I guess like the blame was on her mother and not so much him, but she thought. I didn't really read like, that scene too well. It, what was going on? It seems like it seemed like Shenkop. He was just like you know, I could have spent you know the the end of my time with a woman I love, but you know, I couldn't force a woman who doesn't love me to spend time. You know, like something like that, yeah. basically. Yeah. So um, he said he said you know he wouldn't have done you know what he did with um, a woman he didn't love, but also that works the other way that you know his her mother did love him as well. Something else to bear in mind. It was something like that. Yeah. Uh, so we have seen a Popolon and Dusty talking. They're trying to come up with a catchphrase. Like, I guess Dusty was talking about how the Galactic Empire has, like, Sig Reinhardt or whatever. And so they're trying to come up with a catchphrase and they land on Viva Democracy. <laughs> well, he's just like, he, no, that was the problem is he's just like, he's like, damn, all I have is Viva Democracy. Like, Sig Reinhardt is, like, pretty dope. Like, could we use our commander's name in it? Like, something with Yang. But, like, we're still down, like, two or three names at that point. <laughs> Basically, they're just shooting the shit about nothing. Yeah. Democracy, <laughs> molto bene. Yeah, and then uh, I think it's Shenkop sits down, right? No, no, Popolon actually goes and talks to Cat Rose after this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, right. Or he talks to both of them, I think, because he realized that there's tension between them. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot the scene, Yeah, to be I think he talks to Shenkop first, because Shenkop even, like, makes note of, like, hey... You took on a lot of trouble handling this. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, Yeah, it's like uh, Julian comes in and sits down. They're like, oh, what's up, Julian? He's like, oh, I just came from Shinkop's office. He was meeting with his daughter. And then he went, then Poplin said, oh, shit, I better go (laughs) see what's up. And then he goes talk to both of them. Basically, again, like with the whole he wants to be, you know, kind of a mentor figure, you know, guidance counselor, basically, for kids. As soon as he hears that, he's just like, I just told her to go ask for pocket money, kind of as a goof to initiate it. I better make sure shit didn't go down bad. Yeah, that's what Uh, it was. Yeah, he tells uh, Shenkop that, like, she doesn't have a father figure. You should probably do something about that. And then he talks to her and says that, like, you know you feel put upon and that, you know, you had a bad upbringing or not a bad, but an unfortunate upbringing without a father. But like, look around you. Everybody here has a hard time. Like Yang has a hard time. He's like the only even, people even I don't Julian. know. Why'd you bring up Julian? Huh? What? Yeah. He says like <laughs> yeah. the only people here that haven't had a hard upbringing are Kazern's daughters. Cause they actually have, yeah, like know. he mentions, he's like, he, yeah. The first person he brings up basically is Julian. He's just like, yeah, you know, Julian, his parents both died and he had to be, get taken in by, you know, ding-dong military. And now he's been forced in this. He hasn't had a normal life or an easy upgrade, upbringing. And yeah, Cat Rose is just kind of like, why did you go to Julian first? And he's just like, uh, would you like a better example? Let me tell you about your dad. Just like, if it's like a champion, like just immediately, he's just like, oh, do you think Shenkop would be a better example? You know, being forced out of exile of the empire, running his, you know, as a young man to yeah. hear that kind of thing. Like operator like that. Yeah. Poplon can weave a conversation pretty damn well when need be. <laughs> so uh, that cheers her up, I guess. Um, 
we finally have a scene. So Yang takes a look at these Earth Church discs, which have been sitting on his desk for the last three months. Um, yeah, the thing that, again, the narrator earlier was like, Yang should have looked at these way earlier. Like a couple <laughs> this episodes will come ago. back to bite them in the ass in about 10 episodes. <laughs> yeah, so it contains a bunch of stuff about how the Earth Church was you know, brought up, all its relationships and different political brains and crap like that. Um, like the nine centuries how... worth of rulers out of Fezzan yeah. all the way back to the founders were all owned by the yeah. Earth Church. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like talks about like how the first land share, uh, you know, the ruler Fezzan was actually a merchant from Earth and just kind of like, oh shit, that does make sense. Yeah. Oh, wow. Church, and nobody catch Earth... that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the big takeaway was the Earth Church paid the Galactic Empire to acknowledge Fezzan and then they've been using Fezzan as like a base of operations to gain both money and influence ever since. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this after they're done watching the or their PowerPoint presentation or whatever, this makes Yang wonder about what the hell Rubinsky's doing. Um, that the Earth Church has been around for nine centuries, and they're wondering if it's still around. Because even though Julian pretty explicitly saw the death of many of its members, they're like, "Well, these guys are really good for chilling." I mean, they've been around for so long. Maybe the Grand Bishop didn't die. Maybe he got away, which we obviously know he did. Just, but there, there's chapters all over. You know, it's a religion, so there's people on all sorts of planets following this faith. You know, that kind of thing. So yeah, so just kind of like the base might be blown up, but let's not pretend all of terrorism is done. <laughs> which God, again, just the fact that the Earth Church is terrorists. Come on, come on now. <laughs> and even Yang at one point is just like, yeah, terrorist action will never, you know, accomplish anything. It'll just stagnate history at best. Like, like that's I still all wonder I can if achieve. the Japanese, when they wrote it, knew that that was a pun in English. <laughs> and Probably the thing not. is, it, it's extremely bad when Yang is talking about the terrorists and talking about their terrorist actions. <laughs> and so I like have to pay real close attention to the subtitles. I'm I'm dealing with that OA mix up right now. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and bear in mind, the Earth Church are kind of the bad guys right here. So this is basically the war on Terra. So, and Terraism. Terra is when. So, um, Yang's talking to Boris Konev right now. Like, so as part of the plan they talked about earlier, they wanted to take Izzelhorn and then they want a populist uprising to happen on Fazan so they can split the galaxy and get some political influence and barter with the Galactic Empire. But since they know that Fazani is full of these Earth Church people and they don't trust them. Yang's plans on Fazan are kind of skewed at this point. So he asks Konev to go there to Fazan, seek help from free merchants and people they can trust. And they need, they know, uh, Yang knows they need Fazani's help, but they really don't trust people with Earth Church influences for good reason. So, like, this is going to be a difficult thing to for them to set up, I guess. He trusts Boris and he knows that Boris is not an Earth Church person, but they're going to have to choose their allies. Like, he says he doesn't want to ally with the Terraists. Uh, accidentally while trying to get Fazani support. Yeah. And yeah. speaking and then of Konev and Poplin almost get into a fist fight for some weird reason. <laughs> um, it's because he keeps like goading him. He's just like, oh, so do you know about this? You and Earth Church boy, huh? You little terrorist? You got a little terrorist? Yeah, in you? And he's just like, fuck silly. off, man. Like, I'm just a merch. Like, I just, ha- no, not every Fazani is like that. And, you know, kind of, not all you know, Fizani's. I don't know, maybe. Hmm. feels a little weird that, you know, maybe there was some terrorist action and then a bunch of people unrelated, but kind of in the same area or from the same area were getting blamed and blanket attacked as terrorists, even though they were just completely normal people that were just trying to live their lives. Weird how that works, huh? 
<laughs> wow, it's almost like there's a parallel that yeah, happened. Yeah, no modern you know, worries. Um, 9-11. All right, yeah, so, so we see, <laughs> speaking of terrorists, we see Rubinsky at his mountain lodge with his lady friend. Um, Rubinsky, they're talking about how he wants to control uh, Lang, not Yang, Lang, the uh, fat secret cop dude under Oberstein. And make mm-hmm. it so Oberstein and Rutenthal hate each other. So that's like their current plans. They want to throw a whole giant wrench into the Galactic Empire's like. We want to make them hate each other. Well, mission accomplished, Christ. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Ober- Rutenthal already hates Lang. Yeah. And Oberstein yeah. just sees Lang as a means to an end. But, like, by Ruberstein supporting. Rubinsky, sorry, supporting Lang, they see it as a way to gain influence and to throw their He's power an efficient system into wedge struggle. for what yeah. they want to do. Yeah. Rubenstein is what happens if they put on Batara earrings. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> they're, yeah. they're very cunning between the two of them. It's nuts. They're maybe the most cunning person on the planet, but also unbelievably boring and very bald. <laughs> also, yeah, incredibly bald, but also I'm, I'm the cybernetic the, eye is pretty cool. I'm just thinking about the fusion hair situation where we get Rubinsky's bald top and then like Oberstein's like Hayachi, long but it's, sides. It's yeah, colors. looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know how he's got like the split colors? Like, you know Oberstein does yeah. just that except it's just one spike is one color one spikes the other dead Hayachi though <laughs> <laughs> so um Yang is concerned about the Earth Church but he knows that Reinhardt's whole Galactic Empire thing is a more pressing problem at this point um he goes well, into we have some... more of this Earth Church intel eh, watch it another day I suppose yeah. who's it gonna kill it's going to kill everyone <laughs> Yeah, so this is uh, Yang talking to Frederica and Julian, I believe. They're sitting around chatting. Um, Yang's concerned about Earth Church, but Ryan's a more pressing problem. He says that autocracy is the fastest way to instantiate change, and the citizens of the FPA are kind of getting used to an autocrat's rule, which is not good for democracy. And- yeah, this is a pretty important conversation, it seems like. Um, one of the major points that Yang brings up is he's just like, this sucks. Reinhardt is the perfect person to dismantle a democracy just because, like, he is the ideal autocrat. And now, you know, the citizens are having to compare this brand new golden statue that's actually kind of doing a good job, but has, you know, inherent flaws that come down yeah, the line well, versus this. Flaws, but like philosophical flaws. And it's- yeah, yeah. Like, and the like problems that will occur via the nature of autocratic rule and you know comparing it to this you know shitty worn out bronze trophy of just you know but that will work this current democracy yeah Yeah, like people see the bureaucratic slowdown and start being frustrated with how slow things are going and they're like man i wish we could just have a you know a dictator just go fix everything and stuff and basically yang's like yeah and the people do like that they see the change quickly that's very heartening and stuff and they'll be way into it for a while and now the military and talking about how like the military needs to be beholden to the people even if the people are fucking up and it's conflicting for the military to have to uphold a system that inherently holds them back but it is like crucial you know like the military must uphold the people having control over the government and thus the military as soon as the military starts trying to gain control itself you know that's obviously that's how democracies go down yeah exactly yeah and I it, think, it, it, I it think, showed um, the struggle for this because Julian was wondering, like, he, Julian straight up says, like, you should have killed Reinhardt back at the Battle of Vermilion or whatever. And he says that, like, if this had been an autocracy, like, your your talents as a military commander would have been better, both, you would have been in a better position and you would have had more free reign of what you could have done there in that situation. 
So mm-hmm. like he's kind of Julian was almost trying to make a point that in that situation a, an autocrat rule would have been better for Yu Yang the person. Um, yeah, and th- there's also uh, uh, the other the other thing was um, when Julian comes at this point. I think this is kind of spurred earlier by the Alpha Seal um, Prime Minister dude. Um, we had it earlier in the comments. I think we zipped past it, but um, the Alpha Seal guy because he bet on uh yang is like you know a dark horse of sorts the fact the free plan alliance is now essentially gone he's basically uneasy about the prospect of the whole alpha seal you know he thinks reinhardt's going to come around and stomp on them and he was actually getting very he was kind of an asshole to yang on the phone call because he all pretty much said he went off on a tangent saying huh what it kind of weird about, you know, maybe a year ago that you could have killed Reinhardt and you didn't? Hmm, how about that? Yeah. Well, the Alpha Seal people yeah, are making the same up. mistake that the Free Plan Alliance people in and not trusting Yang. They think that Yang, yeah. being a military genius, is going to go and overthrow them when it's obvious that Yang has no intentions of doing yeah, that. Yeah, Yang wants to meet him in the middle and end the war peacefully. And he's the guy was pretty much expecting Yang to win the entire universe easily and it's just sort of like yeah, it's really that the, i mean this situation could have been solved both by the free plan alliance and by the alpha seal government by just chilling with yang for a while getting him drunk on brandy and listening to what he says about democracy they're like oh yeah this guy fucking loves that shit we don't mm-hmm. have any reason to worry yeah and but the, the big thing with the alpha seal uh that's worth noting is he does yeah he just says he's like man a lot of this would have would have been like solved and sorted out real nicely if you had killed ryan and yang just shoots a fucking death glare at him like yeah. i have never said they have never drawn yang looking this pissed and he just like fires back like he's just like because it's something that's eating yang and has been for years at this point of just like huh i could have ended this but instead i followed through with it um, I mean, you to know, be that fair to Yang, thing. he was at a major cross point in history, and all of the burden was on him either way. So exactly, it's, it's yeah, impossible yeah. for you to not second guess yourself. Also, also, this is just some doofus politician who's pretty much saying, huh, you didn't do that battle thing perfectly in hindsight, did you? Or at least I have yeah. a differing opinion on what you did on the battlefield. It's mm-hmm. sort of like, dude, fuck off. Yeah. So back to present. Yeah. Uh, Julian, you know, just says, hey, you could kill Ryan. You could have done it before. Um and, you know, like, hey, you could have killed him at Vermilion. Why didn't you? And Yang at this time just kind of is like, all right. So, look, I didn't want to kill him, you know, partially because, like, I don't want to kill someone of that talent. I don't want to, you know, do that. Also, I couldn't, you know, he basically just talks about how he didn't want to kill him. He thought it was an awful idea to do that. But, you know, kind of use the excuse. order as yeah. an excuse. Yeah. Like, he was like, I really didn't want to kill him. So as soon as I saw that order... I felt at ease and kind of had a reason not to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, this conversation in the course of the show here actually makes Yang kind of feel depressed and he wants to change the subject. So he talks about how, uh, Yang knows that Reinhardt will try to split Isselhorn and Alpha Seal apart. Um, even though they're very close to each other, star chart wise, I mean, obviously it's still quite easy to put a fleet between them and Mm -hmm. annex them. So he figures that that's what Reinhardt's next move is. Uh, the episode ends with another huge cliffhanger because the show loves doing these sorts of things. Reinhardt gets a report mm-hmm. from the legal affairs guy, uh, Bockendorf. He was one of the minister dudes uh, we met briefly earlier. Um, when he gets this report, Reinhardt reads is shocked. He calls for Mittenmeyer and then changes his person to Muller. And the report says that, quote, there is a disquieting action on the part of Rutenthal. So, so basically, 
Rutenthal did a bad thing. Rutenthal's doing something. <laughs> it's time. Rutenthal's been doing a lot of suspicious foreshadowing, and we don't like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, at this point, I think the only person that really knows knows about this is either that crazy woman he's staying with or Mittmeyer. And Mittmeyer's not the kind of person to blab about it. And I'm not saying that it was the crazy woman either, but like it, the and oh, I mean Oberstein had inklings. Yeah, at the Oberstein very kind least. of knows like, oh, oh. Yang probably or mm-hmm. Lang probably did some research himself. But for the most part, it's like it's not a widely known thing because if it was, then this would have happened earlier. Yeah, and so yeah, it's just it ends on the cliffhanger of uh, uh, Sir Rutenthal seems to be uh, up to some bulls shit. And, and Reinhardt just being like, God damn it. Somebody might be doing a traitor question mark. We I thought don't he know. was bros. We were mm-hmm. watching that star fight and dissing on these like young admirals all the time. <laughs> but yeah, and that is uh, it for the episodes today. Um, again, we got a, we finally got the true setup for something that's been uh, rolling up Simmering. for a while now yeah simmering in the background for 40 episodes two-thirds of the way into the series now also yeah we are wow, quite yeah. far along yeah yeah uh so yeah again uh thank you for hanging out and you know doing all this kuvo and you're welcome Gio. of course mm-hmm. oh well, i thought that was going to be the viewer <laughs> that wasn't supposed um, to be a sincere thank you <laughs> shit <laughs> Gotcha. <laughs> oh, baby, oh, it again. hits him with a full thing of thankfulness. <laughs> Got him, motherfucker. No, yeah. Uh, and speaking of that, thank you to the audience as well for listening. <laughs> uh, if you aren't already uh, subbed or whatever you do for podcasts, I don't know, man. Uh, do that. Thanks. Cool. You're on episode like fucking, I don't know, like 45 or some shit. This podcast's been going forever. No, but uh, <laughs> uh, some people have been already. Uh, if you liked it, feel free to leave a review that we're we're good and leave out the parts about, you know, saying the, the name of the podcast five minutes into it, that and also, <laughs> you know, no, you know, what? just that. Yeah, leave that out, please. Uh, but until uh, next time. Space anime. Spinini. Space anime.